You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jedediah Jenkins is a New York Times bestselling author of the books To Shake the Sleeping Self and Like Streams to the Ocean. His new book, Mother Nature, just came out in November of 2023. And Jedediah is here to talk about the complex relationships between mother and son with completely different views on topics like politics, sexuality, and religion. Jedediah, hi. We're so happy you're here. Welcome. I'm so happy I'm there. I wish I was in Nashville with you in, in the physical space, but I know. Next time. I next, sound time. Like, next time. I sound like I'm talking about that documentary, Love Has Won. Have you watched it? No. no. What is this? Oh my God. I'm sorry for I'm the, writing immediate it down. Tan- the immediate <laughs> tangent, <laughs> it's but okay. it's about we love it's a tangent. An HBO doc. It's a cult. It's like it's this woman who thinks this like woman from Kansas, you know, okay. cute blonde woman who thinks that she is God, mother God. Okay. She thinks she's Joan of Arc reincarnated, Marilyn Monroe reincarnated. Oh, wow. Uh, Jesus. And anyway, she starts a cult and everything is about the spiritual, but then they'll say in the physical, they go, well, you know, <laughs> we met in the physical. I'm so glad right. we're meeting in the physical. Like there's certain lingo in that doc <laughs> that I now like like use like her followers don't think she sleeps she has like etheric meetings which is they go to a lay person she looks like she's napping but she's actually meeting with the spirit guides and it like it's just a video of her napping it's a it is such a good doc i've watched it all now i have twice. to see this wow so you're saying you wish you were with us in the physical not just the spiritual today <laughs> yeah yeah ex- not just the etheric ethereal yeah <laughs> have you watched escaping twin flames i wa- so so that is a great <laughs> companion piece because yeah. it's similar energy, but um, love has one is darker or, or wow. just more intense, more intense, like, okay. like involves like death. It's. Oh, wow. Geez. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I have to watch both of these apparently. Yeah. But the twin flames one, that leader guy who thinks he's Jesus, but he like hot Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. 
It's unbelievable the shit that comes out of his mouth. I can't believe that he takes himself seriously and that people around the world do. No, I know. I mean, but that just shows you how lonely and desperate for connection people are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. true, true. That's what I think when I watch cult dogs. And what what I think when I remember my like deeply evangelical roots of like when I was basically in the world's biggest cult and like was so afraid of being exiled if I didn't believe, you know, was so afraid if I didn't fall in line. And like, I don't know, a lot of those cult docs really ring true for like the dogmatic way I used to practice religion. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I know this feeling. Yeah. Which I want to get to in just a a really good transition right there. (laughs) Well, first I was going to say, you mentioned connecting and things like that. And I have to tell you, I have been hearing about you for years from Chip. (laughs) Literally years. Mm. He's like, oh my God, you have to read this book. And there's been multiple books now. And so when this book came out, Mother Nature, Mother Nature, we were like, no, we have to get him on the podcast. You guys actually finally met at a book signing recently, right? Yeah, in Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah. I mean, look, I, it's embarrassing to say, but I am fangirling right now. Um, <laughs> so if, and like, and I, I called Kelly today and I was like, look, I really like he's so brilliant. He speaks so well. I'm scared I'm going to make this interview about me because, Chad, <laughs> I've got to say thank you because the parallels that you write about in your life to my life, it's unbelievable to me. I, you know, I struggle. I'm gay, too. I um I struggle with like uh identifying with the gay community in a very similar way. I wasn't I was raised in a religious household but not evangelical. Like I don't even know if my mother's ever read the Bible. It's just like right. this is what she thinks people should believe and how people yeah. should act. And so I've struggled with the acceptance. Like my mother loves me, but she never asked me. She rarely asked me about any sort of relationship stuff cuz it's 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 uncomfortable for her and it's uncomfortable for me to even try and push her. So to to have you in the world giving voice to people like yourself and me is a gift. And I just want to say thank you. Um, Because I think it's really important. I think there's so many people that feel that way, that are proud. I'm not shameful of being gay, but I too would take a pill and change it. Like when I hear you say these things, it's like, holy fuck, I could never have put them into words. So thank you. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I think one of the, one of the biggest fears of being raised in Nashville and in, you know, not only in the evangelical church or whatever, but just like in Christian culture in the South was the fear of, like I said, exile, the fear Mm -hmm. of, well, and when you are raised, there's like a, a, a specifically insidious nature to being queer in a non-affirming community because you realize you're gay young Mm-hmm. And it's not like a skin color that you can look across the lunchroom and be like, oh, that kid looks like me. I should sit with him. You're actually mortified to sit with someone that moves like you because right. that would actually out you. So you go inward, you go towards shame, you go towards hiding. And like so much while your brain is going through these incredibly important changes of discovering self and trying things out, you're learning that if people knew who I really was, I would be in trouble. If people yes. found this out about me. So you learn hiding secrecy, which is why so many adult gay men, so much of their sexuality is lived out in the taboo and in the shadows. And they're actually only turned on by being scandalous because that's where sexuality was 
groomed Born inside their mind. Yeah, yeah. And it's but, also being reinforced by media and you yeah. know, in your middle school, everyone's making gay jokes. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guilty of doing the same thing. I amplified it to as a, you know, self-preservation sort of tool. Um, totally. And then that just is a reverberation in your mind. But that was like the true joy and unbelievable privilege of the the fact that I've scanned the world into having this job where I write about my own thoughts and right. it like is my job. And then I get to meet people <laughs> like people like you that say like, oh my God, me too. That's so helpful. Is that my true fear was being found out mm-hmm. as a child. And so like somehow I made my entire adult career telling the world my every thought and everything about me and just being like, as an act of rebellion to that feeling that raised me, I'm going to be the most open, the most confessional so that there is no gotcha. There's no secret. There's no skeleton in any closet, open every door and come on inside and let's have some hot chocolate and hang out. It's like, and that to me is this like incredible freedom that I thought was completely impossible as a 16 year old. Yeah. So, so you saying that is like my ultimate dream. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's like just being able to read it and and the final chat, not to skip to the final chapter, but like, I think the final chapter of your book makes it so universal to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, it's, it's not it anyone that has struggled with relating to their family for whatever reason can, can relate the way that you sort of bring that all together at the end of the book. So I think, you know, Enough My mom is me. such a little trickster. She's, she's like so funny. Too. Getting also, me I so love her. Heated. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's exactly too. like my mother too. It's like crazy. <laughs> like the way that all, like all of my friends love my mom. Like she's mm-hmm. the most fun to be around. Mm-hmm. But there's this thing between, and she's my best friend. Like I don't know what mm-hmm. I will do when she's no longer around. Um, right. In fact, and I'm oh. giving her a. Co- she doesn't listen to them. She doesn't even know what a podcast is. But I'm giving <laughs> her a copy of the book for Christmas. Oh, that's perfect. It's a great way to have the conversation without having the conversation. And then hopefully it will open the door to more conversation with her. Because I, like you said, like, I feel like I have, it's, it is in order for me to feel redemption or, or freedom. Like I have to be brave enough to put on my big boy pants to do what you're doing. And that starts with the conversation with my mother. So, well, and I wouldn't like, I wouldn't have had these conversations with my mother if I didn't want to write a book about it. Like, right. this is like, this is like, I, I don't know. I'm like slowly developing this whole theory of like narrativizing your life because it actually forces you out, out of cowardice into making decisions. It's like, are you the person you want to be? And if you're like having to write about your life, then you're like, you better put a plot point in here and not right. be lazy because it's right. like, I don't think I would have had that very scary life defining, you know, conversation with my mom in that car, had I not known I had to for the book. Right. I would have just kept kicking it down the road. Well, you even did, and we'll get into this in just a second, but it took you almost the whole trip to be able to get to the conversation that you were actually wanting to have. So that's case in point. Yeah. Isn't that just like the perfect example of procrastination it's like you're just like especially we all have this i think unless you're some sort of like elevated genius like when there's a hard conversation and i'm so afraid of the answer 
to the question mm-hmm. I need to ask. I just am so afraid. I'll just keep mm-hmm. pushing it all down the field. Yeah. Kicking it down until the, the next day, the next day. And, and I actually have a few friends who maybe they're Enneagram eights or it's their wing or something where they like <laughs> move towards conflict. Mm. The moment there's a hard conversation. Oh, we know those boom, They're like, well, I am one of those I, people. <laughs> oh you're a seven, God, Jed, right? I'm a seven too. I'm a full seven and I'm a wing uh, six, which means I'm like rule follower slash so afraid. Well, also so, you like, worry if you have that six. Yeah. 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 And, I'm and, a four. So I'm like, let's get in this. Let's go deep. Let's <laughs> talk about all the hard emotions. Let's feel it. Yeah. Love. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And to encourage your foreignness, you are deeply unique and no one is like you. <laughs> you don't know how much that means to me. <laughs> I needed that today. Thank you. Let's let's clue the listeners in a little bit, though, because we are going to talk about the book a lot. Can you give the listeners just a backstory of your relationship with your mom? So my I grew up in Nashville. My mom is an amazing woman. My parents divorced when I was four, I think. And, um, she loves the Lord. Jesus is her best friend. Her church community is everything. And I grew up in that world. And, and when my parents, so my parents were famous in the late seventies and eighties, they walked across America and it was a big national geographic. They were on the cover of national geographic. They wrote for national geographic. Then they wrote books about it, which sold like, like, their books, I think, sold 12 million copies, which to make sense Huge. of that, it's like a best-selling book in today's world sells 150,000 copies Oh my because there's God. just so many more books. So like okay. that was more of the era of monoculture where it's like, okay. if you were on Good Morning America, 50 Everyone million people saw, saw you. Yeah. 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 So they were like in that moment. Anyway, they were like America's sweethearts. And then the marriage fell apart when I was so young that like, I grew up in this shadow of like fallen glory where like things weren't talked about or they were said with like a sadness Mm -hmm. and, but anyway, my mom to make sense of her life and it's her nature and her sincere relationship with God, like her whole life is God Mm -hmm. is Jesus. And so we grew up and, you know, she was a single mom. We grew up always at church Wednesday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night. And, you know, I made, I had a lot of friends at church. It was so, you know, she like found other church. She was like, you need to go on this church retreat. You need to go on this summer camp. Like, and I was like, no. And then of course I made friends and then it made church fun. But my mom and I, like ever since I came out to her when I was 21 and or 22, um, it's just been such a conflict. Like she just Mm. deeply believes that my sexuality is the result. I I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I would, I would, she's insinuated that she believes that the the sin of my father's infidelity opened the door to allowing demonic spirits to, to deceive me. Mm. And, you know, and so she's just so convinced that my sexuality is not God's will for my life. And yet we are best friends. Like we love each other. We talk all the time. We, she's undyingly loving to me, undying support. And 
it's taken me, you know, my whole adult life to like find this understanding of like, she's loving me the best way she knows how she really mm-hmm. does believe. And she was trained to believe by every teacher in her Christian community that like what I am is a deception and is dangerous and deadly. And then, you know, I'm a child of the eighties as I'm a baby playing with my little ponies. She's hearing at church that there's this new gay cancer called AIDS that kills gay men. And the pastor from the pulpit is saying, this is, you know, the wages of sin is death. So that in that shadow of this like interesting relationship, I started getting, you know, my friends and even my mom's friends were like, Jed, you should write a book about your relationship with your mom. Cause it's, it's strange. Like Mm -hmm. you both disagree about everything, politics, religion, capitalism, whatever it is, like all of it. The only thing we both like diners (laughs) going, going to the movies, road trips, podcast, like certain historical podcasts. It's hard actually to find ones that, you know, I love that part like of the book. Yeah. Cringe <laughs> over. Yeah. But like, but it, I just, it was an interesting like commission. And once, you know, sometimes like you let life talk to you and like mm-hmm. if three or four friends or like sources tell you something, you know, like you should start a podcast. You hear it from a friend and you're like, okay. And then you hear it from another person who you haven't talked to in 15 years. And then you hear it from your uncle and then you're yeah. like, Okay, that's okay. interesting that like something's going on. And just people were like, you know, your your relationship with your mom is so interesting, especially in like the Trump era and the mm-hmm. like, everyone seems to be cleaving these relationships and like separating. Like people seem to be so polarized to use right. such a bankrupt and tired word. And And yet my mom and I stay in relationship and I actually don't know why other than I just love her and I'm scared not to have a mom. But I I thought it was an exciting and interesting challenge to be like, let me really take a magnifying glass to our relationship and to her as a person Mm -hmm. and see what I learned. Yeah. So that's what the book is. Well, there's, I have a question about what you just said, because there's a quote in your book that like really struck me where you say, um, uh, you say, I wonder if I've been a good son if I've chased myself at the cost of being part of a family. And that really struck me because I grew up in a little town called Bird's Nest, Virginia. I knew when I was in fifth grade that I was gay. I held it in. I had girlfriends, did all the things Mm -hmm. um, and went to college and immediately from college moved to New York City. And then I moved to Los Angeles and I was I flew the coop. I probably wouldn't be alive if I stayed home. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I recognize that. I sacrificed my family, my family to find myself. And I'm glad that I did. Um, and I've right. never felt anything but love for my family. Even when I came out, my dad said, I love you more now than ever, though we don't really talk about it anymore. But um yeah. I wonder if that's um the reason why you held on to your mom in these times when other people are like separating themselves from family is because so much of your life you pushed her away, you needed to push her away. And now that you know yourself, you need her again. I think that's an incredibly astute and accurate observation. I I am also very interested in smuggling medicine in with poison. And like how so often, I mean, I think like of a church community where I think that like 
certain beliefs and belief structures of, you know, in evangelical church are not only incorrect to the reality of the universe, but like evil. And yet, if that is your entire community, if that is your friends, if you're sick and they bring you food, they all pray for you and surround you when you have cancer. You're, you know, like that is the most, that sort of like building community structure around a set of beliefs, even if some of those beliefs smuggled in are from the patriarchy or are from selfish greed or are just from a desire to control women or whatever it is. Like you can smuggle in a lot of things with some sugar and some like good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think, I think sometimes it sucks, but sometimes like I, 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 I'm like you, I'm so glad I moved away and chased myself and it cost me like being an integral tight part of my family, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I'm so glad. I mean, that's an important step in like, you know, like I, every generation before us is like, we made sacrifices so that our kids would have it better than we did. Like that's, that's like the thing our grandparents said. And that's kind of ending with millennials and Gen Z because we've, you know, built such a world where we're so spoiled that it's like, and we were like raping the world of its natural resources during the baby boomer and greatest generation. So like that sort of like whatever expansive suburban dream was actually built on borrowed carbon from gen alpha. But all that to say, I do feel like so often something good comes at a cost and just like the imperfect nature of things like, yeah, like it would be nice to stay home and be a part of a family, but at the cost of myself, what am I going to do? Marry, marry a woman who loves me. And then of course, and I know these people who, who like, who tried to make it work and have kids. And then in their mid forties, that like, that truth of who they are is now so pressure pressurized into an explosive, you know, like, Mm. it's like, if you don't let off steam, a thing explodes. Like, have you ever seen those whales that die on the, (laughs) on the (laughs) beach and they, and they fill with gas they're decomposing and then they explode. It's unbelievable. But I think I know what I'm Googling after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Uh, Google exploding whale. And there's like, there's a lot of ones, including Uh, I don't want to smell that. No, no. including there's this beach in Oregon where a a huge whale washed up. This is in the 80s. And the local police department said, well, how do we remove this whale? I guess we blow it up. So they filled it with dynamite. And this is on the local news. They blow it up. Unfortunately, 70 200 pound chunks of blubber fly through the air and land on all the cars that have come to watch the thing and like dent and just break all the windows and everyone's covered in guts that's disgusting Um, all that to say if you don't if you don't like release the pressure and be who you are and like Mm -hmm. pursue that truth of who you are it will like it will pressurize and become an explosive i'm a like this is you just see it time and time again mm-hmm. and it, what's so interesting about getting older i i'm i still feel and am young i'm only 40 but like i that sense of like i've now lived long enough to see people try to be one way and watch that crash and burn they try to be the way that they were told they must be when they were a teenager and mm-hmm. that's like 
and to see how that by not being your authentic self, it comes at an incredible cost. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I wanted to ask because, and I want to tell the listeners too a little bit about how you got to even going on this trip with your mom. But one of the questions you ask in the book is, how do I stay in relationship with family when our differences pull us apart? And I think your friends that encouraged you to write this book make such a good point just about that in relation to what's happening in our world in general right now, right? Like we have this mentality, it seems, that's very black and white about people we can be friends with, relationships. If you have this political view and I have this one, like there's no common ground anymore. And so was that a big driving force for you deciding like, okay, I want to maintain this relationship with my mother, even though, as you said, we have nothing in common. Like what was the factor that really just made you push to say like, okay, I have to find the common ground with her and I have to decide if this relationship is one that can be functioning for me even with different, different views? Well, that's a great question. And that really is such a big impetus for the book in itself was, uh, was what is that cost benefit analysis? Mm -hmm. And I, I do my best writing and I can really only write about things that bother me. Like Mm -hmm. I need it to be like a thorn in my shoe. Yeah. Because that, that's like what gets my mind going. And I kept seeing, I mean, I've seen it, you know, now for 10 years, like the, the, the growth of internet discourse and just that internet discourse spills over into general cultural discourse of just like, if this person is toxic, get them out of here, like cut them out, like, or, or the like concept creep and the like 
slippery slope concept of like, well, if they don't approve of this, that means they don't approve of you. And that means they got to go. And if they don't like love all of you, and there's this like, it's, it just becomes this all or nothing zero sum game. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, that is just not how life works. And there are, there are so many multifactored reasons that someone should be important and valued. Mm -hmm. And like, at least the common decency of someone's humanity. And I feel like there's so, there's so much dehumanizing language that like, and I felt it. I remember like there were times, you know, in 2016 to 17 where I like, I would like look at someone that was politically opposite to me and I would be filled with like that person is a brain dead monster animal that wants to destroy our country and like i felt and i remember feeling that and then like locking arms with the people that agreed with me right i don't know it's just like that is so human like we are literally wired to be that way yeah but but i was like there are certain people and this is what i think one of the great teachers of family in general is that family is this thing that so many of us, most of us have, that is always going to be a teacher and a challenger because you don't choose your family. And when life is going great, you can choose your friends. But when life is going bad and things get really hard, you know, your family is the last resort. Your family are the most loyal generally. And, and I just think about the relationship between a mother and a son, if it's even, if it involves love is one of the most fundamental, if not the most fundamental relationship of any human being's life, a mother and a child, a parent and a child. Yeah. And that relationship has to be reckoned with no matter what it is. If you were, if your mother threw you in a dumpster, the moment you were born and you were found by firefighters, you'll live the rest of your life processing that. It doesn't matter if you have a mother or not. You will live your life processing. What did this relationship mean and how do I account for it? And like, I think I have a loving mother. Now she doesn't love me in a way that I think in some ways that helps me. She's that that love from certain directions has deeply hurt me, but from other directions has made me who I am. My -hmm. mother loves me unconditionally. She didn't care what job I did. She didn't care if I made a lot of money or if I was an artist, she's like, anything you do is amazing. Like, I'm so proud of you. Oh, you're not good at sports. Who cares? You know, like, and my dad was the same. My dad was the same way. And like, and just, if I fell, she was there to pick me up. If I was crying, she would sit by the bed and just Mm -hmm. like rub Vicks Vapo rub on the top of my chest. And just like those sweet things that like, that I have to account for. And that Mm -hmm. if I throw that out because she doesn't approve of my worldview and then, then that comes at a huge cost Mm -hmm. to me Yeah, of not having this woman in my life that, that is so profoundly foundational and important to like the bottom floor of my cells. Like, yeah. And this is what a lot of this book is about. It's like every child wants to be loved by their parent. They also want to be liked by their parent Mm -hmm. and they want to be approved of, Mm -hmm. you know, there's layers to it. And I think there are moms out there that are actually toxic 
and actually cruel and actually, you know, the oxytocin chemical in your brain that causes you to connect with someone else, they don't have it. And that's real. And mm -hmm. so there are some people and that mother wound is, has to be accounted for, but that mother wound might also necessitate severing that relationship. Right. And, but mine, I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell the story of mine because I don't want to se sever the relationship. And so many queer people do based on one thing only, which is my parent doesn't approve of my sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be like, there's a third way. And what is that third way? Because I'm living it, but I don't know what it is. So let me think about it. Yeah. Put it into words. Yeah. I mean, Chip, you mentioned this a lot that your parents, y'all just don't talk about it. Is that yeah, something do. that's common with like if, amongst families who don't necessarily approve of someone's sexuality where you just kind of have a relationship, but that's the one piece maybe that it's separate and you just well, don't I talk mean, about I it. I, I look at my, cause I have a, uh, an older sister who's married and has children and it, my mom's not talking to her much about relationships either. I mean, yeah. obviously it's like, it's the elephant in the room. Like there's a husband there, there's kids, they've had sex, there's those things. But like, you know, <laughs> unless, unless my sister's fighting with her husband, they're not really talking about their relationships. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it could be a generational thing where my, my mother grew up in a time where we did like in my household, we didn't talk about feelings ever, you know, yeah. I've seen my father cry twice. And it was when his mother died and my mom's mother died. And, um, so, you know, I think some of it is just, she is incapable of those conversations. And mm -hmm. when, when, um, because of that, like I am uncomfortable, it's like reciprocal, but I do think like what, what you were saying earlier, Jedediah was like, it made me think like the, the com the common thing we hear all the time is like build bridges, not walls. And, you know, it's it's really easy to put up a wall and be like, we don't agree. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. But it's a lot braver and harder to be like, you're my mother. We might not agree on everything, but I want to build a bridge because evolutionarily, like, it's a very slow process. And if you can change your mother to a, a fraction of a degree throughout time, it like actually, I think is cha can change the world starting with our families and it's like mm. my mother doesn't need to understand gay sex you know like i don't need to go there right but what, what i can do is when i fall in love or when i'm in love with someone i can share that and they can see it and they can witness it and she might not understand it but she knows she can see that i'm happy and i think that's really important uh, um it's a really important reason for me to keep them in my life you know mm. like they don't need all the, the details I think the, I absolutely agree. I think that you, not talking about certain things creates amicability and, mm. it, and it can be built, it can be built on this subconscious subterranean understanding that like we disagree. And like, if we really started talking about this, we would go to blows. I mean, the, the cliche of we don't talk about politics and religion at the dinner table is right. a cliche for a reason. Like it comes from a passed down wisdom. Yeah. And I think before social media, you didn't know what everybody thought. That's right. You know, like the yeah. only way you knew what someone's political beliefs were was if they were annoyingly outspoken or if they had bumper stickers all over their car. Like mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> so you just didn't know. You would just see people, right. you don't know your teachers, you don't know. And there was so much amicability in the world. Yeah. And like, 
I don't think, I just think that that is actually what creates um, civilization. Like mm-hmm. civilization isn't utopia. The word civil is in it. Civil is just treating someone with basic respect. Mm-hmm. That's all. You don't mm-hmm. need to right. agree. That a book that, tr- I, I will say, if I really go to the root cause, a book that inspired Mother Nature and actually saved my relationship with a lot of people is a book by a, a social psychologist called Jonathan Haidt called The Righteous Mind. Have you heard of this book? I feel like I've heard of it, but I definitely haven't read it. It is everything. Okay. okay. Just search. If you want to get a primer, just search Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, and search his interview with Krista Tippett on On Being, and they talk about this book. It's from a number of years ago, like 2013 or something. But it's called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Disagree About Politics and Religion. And it explains basically how in a family, and this was so interesting, you would think that if your political views or religious views were strictly logical, Mm-hmm. then if you were raised, if you had six children and you raised them all Christian Republican, all six of them would be Christians and Republicans. And you won't find one family like that. No, no. One kid is going to go off on Broadway and say, fuck you, mom and dad. One kid is going to be completely like mom and dad. One is going to be a little bit like that, but more quiet. You know, like you're going to see an array of political beliefs in a family and behaviors because so much of what we think is our logical, you know, brilliant realizations about the world are actually just how we're wired from like the moment we come out of the womb. And, and he does, he has all these stats in there. And, and it's like, this is all circling back to like, why you don't have to talk about everything at the dinner table with your mom is like, there are certain fundamental beliefs in a conservative mind versus a progressive mind that cause everything you build on top of it to move in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So he talks about how like a conservative mind, if you ask, do you believe that people are fundamentally trustworthy? A conservative mind will say no. A progressive mind will say yes. So that's why a progressive person will give money to the poor. Oh, Mm -hmm. you need needles to take your drugs on the street? Oh my God, like (laughs) here's all the needles. Like I want you to be safe. This isn't your fault. This isn't isn't your like personal responsibility. This is structural systems that oppressed you into this position. We need to help you. And you're going to, not everyone is going to rob stores. This is a, whatever. It's like, so you start with that fundamental question and your answer to that question. And you're going to populate up from there in different directions all the way. Another one is progressives uh, score high on openness to new experience. Oh. There's a new drug that everyone's trying at the, you know, Madion concert. I'm going to try that. Fun. Everyone seems to love it versus, oh, God, that's scary. Like, everyone's trying this new thing. And uh, here comes TikTok and the Chinese watchers. And it's like, you're freaked out by new stuff versus you move in the direction of new right. things. Right. right. Progressive, pe- progressive people score very high on openness to new experience. We want to travel. We want to taste that food. Mm-hmm. We want to eat umami burger, whatever it is. And conservatives don't. And so like you think about very basic ground floor worldview, things like that. So that when you're arguing with someone at the dinner table about what, how to treat the homelessness crisis, 
the very, very foundation of your argument is at an impasse. You you disagree about the fundamental behavior of human beings. So there is no, there's no there there. There's no like, you're not going to convince them. No. Because there's there's such a foundational shift. And understanding that has made me realize the only thing that changes anyone's behavior is relationship. Mm -hmm. Like no one's ever been argued. Maybe four people in history have been just argued. That's why I hate debates. I hate debates. I I think they're nasty. I think relationship is the only thing. Like I know so many of my friends in high school were straight men. Yeah. And when I came out senior year, They'd never met a gay person, an openly gay person. They'd only seen them on TV. And if it had not been for that relationship and me being the first gay person they knew, I think they they could be homophobic Republicans right now. Mm-hmm. And they're right. not. They're like, well, you know, I don't I don't know about West Hollywood Pride Parade, but like my friend Jed's gay, and he's like, uh, you know, and 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 there's and like I a like connection. Him, so yeah, I always exactly. say empathy is the the thing that does that but you're right it's relationships because a lot of people don't naturally go to empathy or that's not a characteristic that they may easily tap into so it is about that lived experience a lot of times i did think something was really interesting though because you said my mom loves me unconditionally and it was so interesting for me because i wrote a couple different questions about like the importance of feeling that unconditional love from our parents and i didn't interpret that in the book that that she still loves you unconditionally because she's so opposed to a certain thing about you but you feel that from your mom that she loves you unconditionally love and acceptance are different right i guess so yeah, i know she, i just yeah. never really thought about it that way it's like my mom sees my sexuality as an yeah. addiction to hero- heroin yeah or alcoholism yeah and so she loves me but she thinks that that behavior and belief is unhealthy but she loves me and that's so and i've i've heard people say that isn't love if they don't accept that part of you that isn't love and i understand that but i disagree yeah i i love i feel loved by her Mm -hmm. and and i also like i think so much of it has to do and this is like part of the self-work in writing this book and and why i recommend everyone be a memoirist because it's basically like self-therapizing yourself all the time it made me want to journal which Which, i've never done which which causes so much growth right it's just like i had to learn like okay why do i feel safe with this woman who her beliefs would make so many queer kids feel unsafe right and i think it's because I have constructed in my adulthood a constellation of unconditional love from my dad, from my best friends, from the community I've built in California, from the community I've built in Nashville, Ruthie, like these people that love me, all of me. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel any fear of rejection from my mother for anything. And so I can accept the love that she has to give me because I feel so strong and powerful that, that her, her qualified 
acceptance of me is enough for me because I feel big and strong, which is a big deal in the shadow of a mother. And 100%. Like I feel deeply safe in the amount of love that I get in this life and from Mm -hmm. different sources, that one imperfect love from an incredibly important source to me is worth it. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Well, getting the truth from her is honestly the most loving thing she could do because just knowing where she stands is really important because then it allows you to navigate that on your own terms. So it's, I mean, wouldn't you rather know that your mother feels a certain way than to have her shit behind your back and have a real relationship with her? Well, and I think the root of the the root of the mother fear is abandonment yeah. like 100 in, in yes in the like baby chimpanzee brain right you're dead if your mother does it walks away exactly i mean you would be and, yeah yeah and so i think the fact that i can be completely open and honest with my mother and she can disagree with me and yet she's right there forcing colloidal silver down my throat <laughs> like you know, it like it soothes that fear where I know like, oh, wow, I can big boy disagree with her and she's mm-hmm. not leaving and I'm not right. leaving her either. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it was so the the very beginning of the book, you talk about a wreck that you were in and that was pretty bad. Like you flipped and all this stuff and the fire. One of the firemen said to you something about like, I see more 
like grown adults cry when their mom shows up to to the wreck into that atmosphere than any other location or situation ever in mm-hmm. life. And I thought to myself, is that not the truest shit you've ever heard? Because like, I will be fine going about my day. And if my mom calls and is like, how are you? And things aren't fine. I'm like, I'm not okay. You know? <laughs> well, and she but hears it. She hears it in your voice your immediately. Knows. too. That's probably oh, why she God. called. Like intuitively, she knew I wasn't okay. Yeah. But it's just such a point, you know, that our moms are really this like nurturing force in our life that is so important to our development. And I guess that's where I was putting in the like, the unconditional love, like how do you grapple with your mom being so against such a big part of who you are and putting that in relation to like, how do you get to the place of self-acceptance? Because like as a kid, we all probably put our parents on pedestals. Right. And so Mm. there's something in them that's like, this isn't okay. And like your mom would say things like, you know, being afflicted with homosexuality or like Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. she would pray about you just becoming attracted to women. Like, and this maybe is a question for both of y'all, but what does that feel like? And how do you develop, how do you cross over that to develop a deep enough relationship with yourself and your own self-acceptance to that, like to the knowing of I'm okay and I'm perfect as I am? Her not celebrating this part of me is something I mourn. It is sad. Yeah. But I, I mean, if it's not clear in this conversation, I'm just like not an all or nothing guy. Like, yeah. I understand that like the f- fantasy of perfection is just that. Like you're going to get a limping stinky broken life that is just what it is and yet if you like get real sufi mystic buddhist about it the limp and the crack is where the light gets in is why it's beautiful and it's like you learn you it's just all there to teach you and i i think maybe you know like the lack of total acceptance and support from my mother if I'm like really looking at the, my life through a narrative lens of the big picture mm-hmm. has inspired me to want to be that for other people and to want to let them know that they're okay and can be okay. And that like to step into that space and tell my story and inspire strength in other people. Like there's an unbelievable, um, Back when Oprah started her like failed TV channel called O or whatever, she had this oh, show called Master. Yeah, uh, it started as O and then became oh. O, I think. But it was like, um, it was called Masterclass. And anyway, oh, the yeah. first episode was her. Yeah, and she tells her story, and it's unbelievable. It's been scrubbed from the internet. I don't know why, but I have it like burned. Okay, and loved it. And anyway, she talks about how. Her mom, her mom and dad had sex once, mm-hmm. never liked each other, never really knew each other. And her mom was begrudgingly pregnant, would have got an abortion if she could. And when Oprah was born, her mother was like, I never felt connected to you. I feel nothing. Oh. And, and Oprah was just raised as like an accident mm-hmm. and like as a bummer. And Oprah says, I came into this world unwanted. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and it became my life's mission to make people feel wanted. 
that the very fact that you're here is a miracle that that sperm hit that egg at that moment in time, which is like a one in a hundred trillion chance that you are here is a miracle. And I've dedicated my life to making people feel that. Wow. And I'm like, and I'm like, that is, and like, I wouldn't wish her affliction on anybody, but Mm. what a pendulum swing of purpose that was caused by that. And I think, you know, this much smaller degree of dissonance in the universe, which is my mother's lack of acceptance, might be one of the biggest gifts to the like meaning and purpose of my life that I could ever wish upon myself. So I try to see it from that from that angle. Well, I, I think know, that's, I, that's true. That's even what Chip was telling you at the beginning of the podcast, giving voice to to his narrative. Yeah. Mm. Well, I you know I think about my parents. You know, like I don't, I can't remember which one of you said this earlier. Like, you know, we put our parents on a pedestal when we we're younger, and mm-hmm. I'm I turned 48 last month. And if I think of like, if I were my mom and dad, I would have an 18 year old son right now. And I thought my parents <laughs> were, were so old and knew right. everything in the world, and they were lame and didn't have any f- real friends. And I look at my life, and I'm like, no, they were just partying with their friends like I do now. Yeah. And they didn't know fucking shit. Like they <laughs> they grew up in this small town in Virginia and like have barely left it. And I've traveled <laughs> the world and like I still yeah. don't know shit. So it's like it's hard for me to hold them accountable when I know that like they were doing the best that they could. And mm. I've never felt anything but love from them. Like most of the shame that I felt was I thrust upon myself. Yeah. And, um, well, it's like absorbed through osmosis through culture. Right. 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 Well, for the listeners, um, if you, we highly recommend going through the book, but Chip and I loved it, but it's called Mother Nature. Yeah. And Jedediah (laughs) um, convinced his mom to retrace the journey she had gone on with his father, which was walking across America. And you guys went on this road trip. I want to know though, what was that conversation like when you came up with this idea? Like, was she open to you writing a book about her in this capacity because that seems like it could be a fragile topic well you know what is so interesting it was pointed out to me which i didn't even realize is that one of the big um conflicts in the book is a series of emails that we write each other that are like blowout right bazookas in each other's faces and one thing that she says based on the way i write about and talk about her in my first book is she's like i don't want to be in your narrative. Like, I don't want you to talk about me and use me as your villain. Like, stop. Which is so LOL, because now I've written a whole book about her exclusively and our fight, right, right. <laughs> which she agreed to. But that's like, but in, in truth, my mom is like, you know, if she was from a different culture in a different time, she would be a showbiz girl. Like she like mm-hmm. loves bright lights and the showbiz. Like she wants to be talked about and she wants it to be positive. But she also just like likes attention. And and I know that she knows that me grappling with this is me me loving her in my way. In the same way I know that her praying for me is her loving me in her way. Right. And and I was like, Mom, I, I wanna I wanna know you. Like I wanna know you when you were 30 years old. Let's retrace your steps. You know, and I came to find out she had kept a journal her whole walk. So it was like every page was written down. It was unbelievable of her mind being newly married and in love with my dad. 
So it was just, I, she knew, and, and she can feel the sincerity. This is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not some like New York Times liberal journalist trying to catch her right. saying something about Trump and xenophobic. I like love her and mm-hmm. I want people to love her as much as I love her. But I also, and, and, and I did tell her this. I was like, mom, we disagree about everything and we love each other so much. And this country is so scary. Mm-hmm. And I think us sharing our relationship with the world, the good and the bad might actually like help some parents and their kids maintain a relationship. And I think that she felt that. Yeah. And she wants it. Cause you know, she's got, you know, she's got friends in her Bible study that have liberal sons or, you know, she, she has one of my mom's best friends, best friends. They grew up hanging out every week constantly. I, I mean, this was basically my like surrogate aunt. And when Trump was elected, their friendship collapsed because she was liberal and my mom is conservative. Right. And the fa- and the fact that my mom voted for that man, her best friend was like, I can never talk to you again. Wow. That's what's happening in our country though. I mean, Chef and I talk about this all the time. It is impossible. We have two friends who vote conservatively and, and they're very much under the same mentality as us of just kind of like, I can see your like the middle ground piece of it. And we just yeah. we just don't discuss it. But I think we've lost other friends because it was so divisive and just so extreme, the conversations. Yeah. And you if you can't respect another person's side, which we seem to have somehow lost, there isn't a relationship to be had. Yeah. And I I mean, let me be very clear. I felt that. I felt yeah. like if you voted for Trump, you're dead to me. Like I right. remember right. feeling that energy of like, you are deeply dangerous. And like, there can't possibly be any overlap in our worldview. Totally. Like there can't possibly be. Right. And so I, I understand it's taken me years to figure out <laughs> that that was, you know, a reaction from, from actual existential fear. I was like scared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so human. It's so, uh, Ruthie always says this. She's just like, Oh, aren't we cute? Like so scared <laughs> and fighting, like, like, Oh, little me was like, so afraid of like going to hell. Like, wasn't she cute? Wasn't she sweet? Like, she just like, I <laughs> love that. I know he's talking she, about Ruthie Lindsay for you listeners who has also been on this podcast and we love here. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> she's the best. Everything is like, Oh, look at us. <laughs> yeah. Cute look at us me. go. Well, I did really end up loving your mom throughout. First of all, she just seems so cute and funny. Like some of her quirks, we Mm -hmm. mentioned the colloquial, is that how you say it? The silver? Colloidal. (laughs) Colloidal. Colloquial. What does that even mean? (laughs) Colloquial is like just like conversational. Oh, okay. Colloidal silver. By the common people. Yeah. Yes. She's so cute. You guys are both so funny. And I think the journey is just such an interesting experience of hearing the different back and forth, but we mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. You wanted to ask her one specific question, which is if I got married to a man, would you be at my wedding? And we don't have to give it away to the listeners how (laughs) that conversation went, but it did take you until you guys were going home to ask her. So talk a little bit about that part of the journey. What was, what was the feeling? What was the energy? Were you like, I've got to just rip this bandaid? Well, and I think anybody can transpose this onto their life and feel this where it's just like, 
you know, if you've ever broken up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're like, you know, you're, you know, you want to break up, you know, you want to, but you know what? It's their birthday weekend. Right. And like, or, or, or you're on a trip with friends and you've, you've realized on the flight there to the Airbnb, I have to break up with him. Like this isn't going anywhere. And you're like, Oh my God, we have four days on the beach at this house. I'm not doing it day one. Right. I'm not dropping a grenade into this thing day one. And so I was so scared of that conversation. And I wanted this trip to be something that I remember and I'm proud of doing with my mom forever. I want to know what she was like when she was young. Her biggest adventure of her life, living on living in a tent, walking across America for three years. With a man like, she just met. With a man she just met and married who happens to be my father. Like, what an adventure. Like, I want to be proud of this road trip and and remember it with fondness and like feel like I know her better than I ever have. And so if I ask her day one and it doesn't go like I hope it will. Right. And I, and I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know right. if I'm going to feel strong. I don't know if I'm going to feel sad and weak and angry. I was so like fearful of, of even my response or hers. And if she would go, she would get really sad and go inward and shut down and not be her bubbly fun self. Mm-hmm. So in a way, like I asked her right at the right moment, mm-hmm. but, but I also know that I thought about asking her, you know, I was waiting for like, maybe she would bring something up or like a door would naturally open and it just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a serious, my, my coming out um moment to my parents was very similar. Like I had my first boyfriend. I was very much in love and I was like, I'm going to fly home. I'm going to tell them it was a long weekend. I'm going to fly home. I'm going to tell them. And night one went by and there was no natural <laughs> moment. Night two went by night three went by. And finally it was the last night. And my dad was like, finished dinner was like, okay, good night. And like went to bed and my mom starts ironing and she goes, what's wrong with you? you're like oddly quiet. And I just burst into Mm. tears and told her. Mm. And I was like, I know it looks like I'm sad, but I'm actually really happy. And I'm like ashamed that I couldn't do it. And she was like, well, you better call your father and tell him tomorrow because I can't, I've never kept a secret from him. And I forgot (laughs) to call when I got home. And then my, then my sister called and was like, you better call home because mom just outed you to dad. And (laughs) he answered the phone, which he never does. And he made the conversation very easy, but it was like, I didn't know how I was going to respond to their response too. like, it's such a like, because all I wanted was approval. That's all Mm -hmm. I wanted. Like I knew they loved me like, um, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's terrifying. So reading that, um, happen for you in that way. It's like, God, it's, I could just see it happening for me. Like you, you mentioned like trying to figure out a podcast to listen to or what radio station. <laughs> to. It's like when I'm home and, and, and in that you say like, you hear things a lot more like brightly, or you hear things that you would have never heard because with double, mom, with a double mind, yeah. right. With right. the double mind. And it, that's how I am. Like when I'm at home and like the news comes on and like the second they show a picture of Biden, I like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> like, yeah. Because I know my parents are going to say something that they would have never said if I weren't sitting there. You right. Know, it's... Or you would have never even thought to feel that if you were watching it on your own. Right. 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 It doesn't even come into your brain. Yeah. It doesn't even come into your brain. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's the thing you walked away with? Like, what was the one thing you learned about your mom that you really loved on this trip? I learned I learned that she loves baby elephants and watches them every night, which I thought was so cute. I was like, what? She was like, oh, I just go down rabbit holes on YouTube watching baby elephants. I also learned, you know, it was fun to learn that she's a good hang like for multiple days in a row, like sleeping in the same hotel room, like mm-hmm. that, that that could just be that could go so wrong, and it, oh it God, could make yeah. you crazy. Yeah, and I was like, you're actually like a good hang, and I think I I really credit that to her natural optimism, and she doesn't complain. She thinks everything's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's like, she'll stay at a five star hotel and stay at a one star dumpster and think the dumpster is such an adventure. And so yeah. like that is just like it's just a really wonderful way of being that I want to emulate and yeah. I also loved learning just from retracing her steps like how tough and adventurous she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just like she's freaking tough. That was hard. Oh my and, god, yeah. It's hard to do it in a car. So, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I, I don't know, just to see every inch that she walked and to really in, in, absorb how far that is yeah, and how much of that terrain is like sun beating down on you Ugh. in human desert. And yeah. just like, I was like, wow, this is a lot gnarlier than I thought. How many physical journals was it? And where the fuck did she put them in three years? Like, did she carry them with her? The you whole know, time? it was it was a fat single journal, but it oh, was wow. like, it, but every day, some it was some days were just like 
walked 26 miles today threw up or something you got know it. like okay got it it was it. it was more like an ancient sailor you know just yeah. writing like scurvy just again notes. and like <laughs> and, and then some days she would be reflective and be like i'm fighting with peter today or whatever mm-hmm. right right oh, i always wondered really as i loved y'all back and forth the banter and kind of just the dialogue how did you remember all that like i just this is a total side note but as a writer are you taking notes the whole time or did just, the just whole time in? you were okay because similar to the like double double minded watching Joe Biden on the news, yeah, knowing that you're writing a book about a trip, you're you have a double mind. Where I'm like, mm. my mom would say something, or or something would happen in a diner, or or whatever, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like this is a moment, like I can <laughs> I can see it, it in my mind, yeah, yeah. and I just immediately write it down. There's um, a friend of mine is ten is tangentially through his boyfriend friends with David Sedaris. And so they're at dinner and they hang out. And he's like, to hang with David Sedaris is so interesting because he has a little notebook in his pocket, not his phone, like a little notebook and a pen. And all through dinner, anywhere you are, if something is said clever or like something weird happens, he'll just he'll just <laughs> And write it down that all would day. Feel so strange. Someone's like taking I know, notes I'd be on like, you. Are you a journalist? But <laughs> right. I, I love that he doesn't do it on his phone, you know, because you no, can do it technologically. And it's, right. that seems more invasive than being like, oh, I just have to write something down. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. But he does. And I think <laughs> that's adorable. And that's yeah. kind of how I was. But my mom just thought I was like texting my friends, but I was actually okay. like writing verbatim the crazy thing what she, she just said. said. Did, I you actually film, also, did you film any of it? On, like, did you ever oh, film her, like, or just voice note her? Yeah, I have a lot mm-hmm. of videos of it. Uh-huh. Um, there's actually on my Instagram, uh, there's a highlight of our road trip. So if you've read the book, it's actually fun to go through I that highlight because it's, it. it's, yeah, yeah. it's my mom telling stories. It's her reading from her journal. It's her reading from the book. It's like us reaching the beach at the end. Like, yeah, there's, you can really get the visuals. Yeah. Every time that you guys would come across men that were hitting on her, I was like, oh my God, I want her to start dating them. Like, I like want to oh find God, someone I for know. your mom to date. I don't know why I'm like into matchmaking her now. <laughs> we should hang well, out with like, her. I know. <laughs> she is in Nashville. Honestly, y'all should come over when I'm home for Christmas and we'll go Done. to, we'll have like wine at Barb's. Oh my God, I, I would love, love it. it. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, we'll it. plan it. Okay, it's I would done. love that. If you had to do this trip all over again, would you? And would there be anything that you would do differently? Oh, great question. Honestly, I would. It was so fun. And I think I wouldn't do much differently, to be honest. I would maybe make it longer. I would maybe film her more. Um. Just because like there were moments where I was filming her where I could feel, and I think I write about this a little bit, I could feel like I'm going to remember her this way. Like Mm. in 40 years when she's not here, like I'm going to remember this. I could like feel my brain taking a Polaroid Mm -hmm. of it. And I'm like, and that's something that I really mourn about the death of my grandmother in 2000, she died in 2010, is that like, it was really before iPhones and iCloud where you just had like endless video of everybody. Like, yeah. and I like don't have much video of her talking and she was so funny 
and so just gossipy and mean in a way, in such a way my mom is not. So it was like, my grandmother was like this idea of like, wow, adults can be cool, like scary cool. Yeah. And, and I would do anything to have like her voice and hours of video. And I'm so glad I do have that of my mom. And I would just like, I know I'm just going to want more. Yeah. Well, and I'll wrap up with this question, but I was just thinking as you were saying that, like if there was an overriding lesson, because for, for me, I hear you making this beautiful point that in this world, we don't have to agree on everything to have relationships with people, but is there an overriding lesson that you walked away from this experience, from writing this book, from just like realizing your mom's not going to be here forever. So what are the things that you're going to take away from this experience? I, I'm realizing this is actually a theme with like all the books I've written. And it's, I'm just obsessed with the concept of the experiential self versus the narrative self. Mm -hmm. The experiential self is the person that's just like living day to day going through your day the narrative self is like is this the life story i want to tell like is this who i want to be am i proud of myself right now mm. you know like and i think when we think about our parents and that that relationship that is so integral to our identity are you proud of yourself mm. like make yourself proud if you like spend time with them go on a road trip go on a trip even if it's hard, like they will be gone one day and you'll, I just like am so like averse to regret that I just yeah. like, I'm like, I'm not going to regret this. Like, even if we fight, at least she'll know I loved her. Yeah. I love that. And, I love that. And I think, I love that. yeah. So just, it, I've actually been this mother nature book. Like when I sign it randomly in bookstores to strangers. I'll write, make yourself proud. Mm. Um, just because I like, I want people to do that. Like make yeah. yourself proud, like do the thing, even if it's hard that like, you'll look back and be like, God, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. yeah. It kind of goes with that quote. I think it's Maya Angelou who said, um, people will remember the way you treated them. So it's just about the way we are in relationship. It's really what we're all here. That's what it's all about. Right. Just the yeah. given, giving and receiving of love, all of those things. And I think so mm. often we just miss that. Well, I, I think totally too, it's our, nar our narrative self talks us out of the experiential mm -hmm. self so much. And it's, mm -hmm. I know personally, like I like my experiential self so much more than my narrative self, but I also yeah. know that my narrative self isn't the way that other people see me. It's what I've told myself. Mm. Um, and well, the narrative know. self can be totally toxic because the narr yeah. narrative is also the the myth making you have around yourself and if you've been told you need to be married to a woman by 25 and you, and you need to have a house by 27 and you need to have two and a half kids by 31 and like that's the narrative self and when you and the experiential self says shut up i'm just over here living learning lessons right. like get away from me with these <laughs> expectations happy. yeah yeah so so but i like am such a student and a believer of like developing a healthy narrative self and being pursuing that concept of like what is my life story and is it something i'm proud of yeah and, and what is the source of my pride like those things and that's the narrative and experiential self are always talking to each other and and like you my narratives i mean my experiential self has really kicked my narrative self's ass 
and said, no, 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 we're doing this. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Yeah. What a good life lesson. Well, the book is mother (laughs) nature. So we, I will put the link for that in the description of this podcast for you guys. Like I said, Chip and I both were obsessed with it. So we highly recommend Jedediah. Where else can Uh, people find you if they want to keep up with you? I have had the time of my life on this podcast. Amazing. I'm so glad it worked out. Um, Honestly, I just use Instagram. Like it's the easiest. It's just my name, Jedediah Jenkins, like spelled like Jedi, Daya. Um, (laughs) I don't know. strange name but yeah and then just talk to me on there it's fun yeah we'll put that in the description of this podcast as well well thank you guys for listening and thank you so much for being here we loved it too oh i loved it okay i'll see you at home at bar (laughs) at bar right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.